This is the Two Point Conversation. Now with your hosts, Chris and Hector. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Two Point Conversation. You look shocked. You didn't remember that? Yeah, 20th. It kind of slipped my mind. But hey, here we are. 20 episodes there, my friend. That's right, people. Along with my chum Hector, I'm Chris, and we're going to talk some Infinity War. Spoilers! Yes, spoilers. So if you have not seen it and are currently listening, you have like this little five-second window of me talking to get out. Or just pause the show, watch the movie, and then come back. You can do that. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Okay, so the window is up. So it's been pretty much a week or so since it's been released. It was the biggest opening weekend of all time. And it's not hard to see why. So let me leave the floor to my buddy Hector the Shaman to give his reaction. Okay, this movie is spectacular. From start to finish, it's tense. It's gripping. You... You're curious about what's really going to happen. You're tackling a villain or quote-unquote a villain that is looking for the Infinity Stones and wants to basically become the Green Reaper. His motive is to basically eliminate half the universe to maintain a balance because overpopulation is killing every planet in the universe. Right. That's and that's a very interesting motive to have, and it's interesting how in Facebook, in the different articles of every digital magazine I've been reading, people are agreeing with his motive. Hmm. And it's like, okay, that's a scary thought, but it's a very interesting psychological and moral conversation to have. It's relatable. It's relatable. Yeah. It, it's very relatable. Obviously, the execution isn't exactly what we want, mm-hmm. but the concern is legitimate. Yes. And Thanos, this is this is very much a movie about Thanos. Yes. This is more about him, more so than any of the heroes that we've come to know over the ten years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's it's played to perfection by Josh Brolin. Oh. <laughs> who makes a CGI villain almost, I mean, not emotionally relatable, but it's compelling. It's not your typical CGI villain that you scoff at. I could, I could debate you on the emotional part. You can sort of have a palpable reaction to him, especially when he's sacrificing Gamora to obtain... The, the soul stone. The soul stone, right. So when you when you see his tears, and it's like, he is actually crying because he had to kill someone he loved. Right. To further his um, his goals, his machinations. And it's like, wow. They, they, they really thought about the character a lot. They really put a lot of thought to him. I, I, I think most of the thought was put into him because if you look at the movie... There is an issue of character development, but I think it kind of takes for granted the fact that, oh, well, you already know all these characters, so we're going to put Thanos 
a lot, on a lot of screen time. Yeah, on the forefront, basically. And, and we're going to limit the screen time for all the other characters, which is fine. Where that's kind of the issue that I saw. I, I, I've been consistent since... I've I seen it twice. Mm. And I've been consistent since I saw it that I have a little bit of an issue with the storyline depth. All right. Like, there isn't a compelling storyline a la Winter Soldier or Civil War or, in recent times, Black Panther. There isn't that strong storyline. But I don't... It doesn't... It doesn't taint the movie for me. All right. When, when you say storyline, what, what were you looking for specifically? Outside of the Thanos thing. Well, you said you said that from beginning to end, it was tense. It was uh -huh. action-packed. That's yeah. fine. Okay. And I think it's by design. I don't think it was accidental. I don't think they just stumbled upon that. I think it was by design. Okay. But I could have used a moment of, dare I say, boredom in between. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I get it. Because if you look at Civil War, Civil War, I think, is the last movie, mm -hmm. the, the last MCU movie that featured plenty of action, but there was a lot of the storyline. You know, the accords, the 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 the, the deaths, the sacrifices. There was a lot of back and forth between the ideals. That's what I mean. In okay. this one, okay. in this one, there is a lot of action, and the storyline is basically, oh my god, that mad titan is going to collect the stones, and it's going to destroy the universe, whatever. And I, I, I think that's fine. I, I don't think it taints my experience, but I couldn't help but think that. Alright, you know, um, to, to go on with your point, I think that what you, what you found problem with, I think that you're going to get it in the other movie. And that's right. I, this is a setup. I I truly believe this is well, it was gonna be a two parter. So they they said like this is just gonna be one movie. So I think all of our storyline problems or issues that we might have, because I had some issues. But I think that this is just a setup. Which is why I say it's by design. Yeah, they, exactly. They made this movie because they wanted us to witness all the destruction that went about and then and the uh joe and anthony russo the directors have said and they have been on record mm -hmm. as saying that avengers 4 is going to be much different than this one which will tell you that okay it's going to be a little bit more philosophical it's going yeah. to be a little bit more more dialogue because to be honest other than a few one-liners from each character you can't really remember much there isn't much memorable dialogue. Yeah, it's been you. You can remember Thanos's lines because this is Thanos's movie, right? But from the heroes, it's more like less talk, more action, more like pushing the emotional, kicking ass and taking names. Exactly. Basically, <laughs> <A la mantis. laughs> you know, like but but the interactions were oh they were good they were good you know now, they were I do want to say this. For a movie that had such grave undertones, they really could have, you know, like, scaled back the jokes a little bit. They, you think? They, they, they had a little bit too much jokey set mo scenes there. You know what? I think, I think the humor was well-placed because 
the tone of this movie, since it's been set literally from the first soundbite yeah. here, I'll tell you what that that opening scene where oh, you're with where the radio transmission when the radio oh. transmission it's hair raising yes because remember in Thor Ragnarok they left you right there yep. and it picks up right there and. And, and you see the radio transmissions, the the, the you the know call the, for help, the yeah. call for help, that that's hair raising, and that whole scene, you know. So, and, and I knew from that moment of the after credits in Thor Ragnarok, jokes were over. Now, <laughs> that's true. There were, there were, there was humor, but I think it was well placed and it was needed because we were all tense and we needed something to laugh so we don't cry. Now, I'll tell you this: people need to get off Peter Quill. Seriously, I get it. You had the chance to remove the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos' hands. He's an idiot. He is an idiot. But he became fully human. He acted on his human emotions. And if someone got killed, someone that you love, how would you react? Well, he's a, you know... From the very beginning, from the very first Guardians of the Gods, you knew that Peter Quill is a very emotional driven guy. True. So, there you go. They well, came but, back but, to bite but, him in the ass. Well, but, but to be fair, Gamora was already dead. Not one punch that he landed on Thanos was going to bring her back. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But, you but know, he was grief stricken. You know, uh, early on when I first saw it, I thought, this a hole. <laughs> but then I remembered wait, Stephen Strange. Saw the scenario 14 million times, but did see the one time they won, so maybe that was supposed to happen. Yes. Uh, I, again, that one possible that one possible outcome. It's still wrestling with my mind. I still want to know what the hell that one one. I'll tell you what. You say what you want about the Doctor Strange standalone film, which to me was good, but was underwhelming. Yeah. But his character was. Vital in this to Infinity War. In this movie, I love Doctor Strange. And I love this. I love him. Benedict here. Cumberbatch. My goodness, he, he, he's that. He's that. He's fully into that character. Yes. So, so we're right now. You know, the the, the compelling character, uh, Bruce Banner. Apart from his issues, turning Ooh, into the Hulk. Wow, I gotta say that was to me that was a hell of a plot twist. After Thanos beat him down. The Hulk was afraid of coming out. I did not expect that. That was great. That was great. Not seeing the Hulk throughout the whole movie. Just letting Banner have the, you know, his moment to shine. That was like that was an interesting twist. I liked it. And of course his character has has his importance because of uh you know, telling the world Thanos is coming. Yeah. Which is interesting. They actually the Russo brothers who are smart. They actually, in the comic books, in Infinity Gauntlet, the the person who warns Doctor Strange about the, the the arrival of Thanos is Silver Surfer. And since they don't have Silver Surfer until, well, their Fantastic Four arrives, they they switched it with Bruce Banner. That was a great reference there. And, and a, a, another character that you have to give a lot of props to Thor. I'll yeah. tell you what. Oh, this was also his movie, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Of all the cast, Chris Hemsworth has been the one that's been growing the most into his character since his first movie. If you see the first Thor movie and you see him in Infinity War, 
he is so comfortable now in that character. Now, a lot has to do with the fact that the character has also grown. Remember, character went into Earth and he was this rigid demigod that used to talk like this all the time. <laughs> but now he's more laid back, he's more chill, he's more comfortable. And I really enjoyed his portrayal since Thor Ragnarok, of course, and the full arsenal of his powers. That it's it's just amazing, and, and his character is pretty. Um, he's the MVP. I agree. <laughs> he's the real I agree. MVP. All right, so real talk here. Did you miss Hawkeye and and Ben in this film? Not particularly. No. I mean, I I, I, I would have liked to see Ant-Man because I love that character. But, well, it, it, the, there was just too much to do than, than to have to add these two characters. So I think it was save the others for the next movie and carry on. All right. So, you know, in, it's interesting with this movie. The character, when we were talking about character development... It's incredible how, in 10 years, how Tony Stark, how Steve Rogers, how those two, one of the, and Thor, you mentioned Thor, but how those three characters, they have grown. Uh, Tony Stark from being egocentrical to be a, a rich, smartass, and now you see him in Infinity War trying to have a stable life, make a, create a family with Pepper Potts, becoming a mentor to Peter Parker, right. who happened to have one of the most heart-wrenching moments in this damn film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You, and, you damn nearly cried. Gee, right. and, they, and, and the director said that was improvised? Damn. Uh, it wow. Was, it, 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 was, it, it was heart-wrenching. Heart oh, you know, God. when he said, I don't want to die, Mr. Stark, I don't feel good, and then he just fades away and and, and, and to going back to your point, same for Steve Rogers. He was this rigid, goody-two-shoes soldier who followed orders and then turned into this heroic figure who doesn't, who likes to stand by his beliefs. That memorable line, you know, that, that he said to uh, Secretary Ross, "We'll fight you if you stand in our way." I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but. That you know, I'm done asking for permission. That was awesome. Yeah, and yeah, with with Steve Rogers, he was a, a a simple a simple boy from Brooklyn, uh, a guy from Brooklyn who just wanted to fight in the war, fight for his country. Years passed, decades passed after he's after he you know he's removed from his cold prison. He comes back to a changed world, and he tries to follow in that in that. In the rules of the new world, but it's so different from what he stands for, for his morals, that when you see that the world has succumbed to corruption, that all the foundations that he used to believe in are no longer there. Right. And now he has to, when you see an Infinity War, it's like, nope, I'm fighting for what I believe, not for what you want. And that's amazing character development. So what about the casualties? I mean, I, I, I didn't expect Loki to get it. Wow, and that much was brutal. And much less early. 
That was brutal. And that that's what set the tone when yeah. Thanos said, no resurrections this time. Boom. That's That pretty much sets the tone. The thing, of course, Heimdall was... He was know, stabbed. The, the collateral damage. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, um, Gamora was dropped to get the Soul Stone. I was, surpri- I was surprised to see the Red Skull there. I was very surprised. I know. Everybody was. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, of course, after Thanos snapped his fingers and half the universe was wiped out, and then you said goodbye to T'Challa, you said goodbye to T'Challa, um, Winter Soldier, uh, Rhodey. Rhodey. Uh, no, not Rhodey. No, Rhodey. No, Wilson. Falcon. Wilson. Falcon. Wilson. Yes. Sam Wilson. Um, Scarlet Witch. Um, Vision. Well, Vision was basically just <laughs> Vision. Was ripped out of his life. So, um, yeah, so uh, the Guardians, all of the Guardians. Yeah, pretty much all, all of the, the Guardians. Guardians Peter uh, Parker. <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, well, Black Panther, I think you already mentioned that one. Um, a lot of people. Oh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury. Yes, that's the, the after credits. Yes. I'll tell you what. A lot of people have underestimated the importance of that after credits. Do your research. I knew immediately the reference... Of, of Captain Marvel. Hey, Captain Marvel is a very important character. Um, you're the one who actually did more of the study than I have. I know that she's a very she's a human Cree hybrid. Blah blah blah. She she actually has a movie coming up uh, next year. Right. And two month two months before the release of Avengers Four. So that's your tie up. So she's going to be fresh in our minds. Yes. She's going to be fresh in our minds. She's probably going to kick ass. And we're going to be pumped to see her. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really rooting for Brie Larson. For Brie. Larson. Oh yes, I love Brie Larson. I love here. me some Brie Larson. So, so, but I tell you, I mean, I, I think that it, it, this movie it, it achieved the epic reaction. Yes. That you wanted, you left uneasy from the theater. Everybody. Does you don't? It's not your usual Marvel movie where you leave and you say this was awesome, and you say, "Wow, this was awesome." But yeah. you're left with a, a, a with, with with a knot in your stomach. You come into the theater pumped up, and you leave out like you left a funeral. Right. It it is somber. It is quiet. It is like there's people weeping, like you have no idea. People coming out of the theater weeping is like. Jeez. I'll tell you what, when you, when you see it on opening night, the, the reactions are awesome. Like, the the highest reaction I saw of being afraid, you mm-hmm. know, the highest shock was when Stark was stabbed. Oh, when yes. he was stabbed, everybody, it was a gasp. People let out a huge gasp. So, so <laughs> there was... I do, I remember you say that. I remember uh, when I was watching the movie with you. Um, your second time, this one being my first time, I remember there was a lady next to me, well, a couple of seats next to me, who was thoroughly enjoying the film, and when Groot dis- started disappearing, her heart just, <laughs> her, her heart just went down her ass, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, not again, no oh. poor Groot! Oh my oh, god! wow, <laughs> she was very into it. So we're looking forward to to next year to seeing Avengers 4 and see how this Cluster. unfolds, <laughs> right? And 
it, it was just it was just great. I mean, I, I I won't say if you haven't seen it, go see it because if you haven't seen it, you probably are not listening to this right now. Man, and if you have avoided spoilers so far until right now, I commend you because it's not easy. Right. So, anyways, we're out for this segment. We'll return after this quick break. Avengers Infinity War is a tough act to follow. <laughs> yeah, I we'll agree. make our we'll make our best in these last few minutes. All right, so I wanna I wanna I wanna say something, Chris. Um, All right. Recently, I, I stumbled upon this new service that Amazon is um, offering to its clients, especially those with Amazon Prime. Buckle um, up, folks. This should be interesting. No, it's just disturbing. And well, yeah, interesting, but mostly disturbing. You heard of Amazon Key? Before you talked to me about it off the air, I had not. All right, so Amazon is actually bringing the service that the clients can install. Well, they install for their clients. Better yet, um, like this electronic um, lock, mm-hmm. this electronic smart lock, if you will. And the couriers, the delivery people, they come in, they they search for the particular house that they're going to deliver, uh, the touch of a button, and it unlocks the door. The courier <laughs> goes in, leaves the package, and closes the door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. What? What? Okay. I get it. You don't want to miss your. I don't. You don't want to miss your packages and all that stuff. You don't want it to be stolen. But I'd rather for that package to be missing than to have someone come into my house and leave and rob me. All right, and rob me. No, no, no strangers in my house. Wow. I mean, who would be crazy enough to do that? A lot of people. I mean, <laughs> I can't see. I can't see. Hey, hey, sir, yes, I have a lot of valuable things in my house, but you can go in. Nothing's can, nothing can go wrong. Now, now, I'm not saying that every delivery man is going to rob me, but it kind of runs the risk. Granted, they run, they, they, if I am not mistaken, I've read this briefly. Um, they kind of install cameras to monitor who comes in and who comes out. And I suppose that every delivery man goes through a background check exactly so and you have to log in you know i have to put a log like i delivered this at this hour blah 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 and off you go but still it's 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 a funny it's a funny feeling to think that 
somebody's been in your house when you're not there and there's nobody there. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he went into the fridge and drank out of the carton of milk, or <laughs> no, maybe somebody dipped into you your frozen pizza or something, or you know, maybe somebody took a dump in the bathroom and left it floating <laughs> there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's weird to think that somebody's been in your house when you haven't been there. And it, it, it's an uneasy feeling when you get to the house and you feel like somebody's been here. Uh, you, you have any any weird technology that you think it's not safe or it's not going to be a good idea in the long run? Oh my gosh! If we start if we start now, we'll never end. But <laughs> for for now, that's that seems to be the prevailing one, doesn't it? Uh, all right. So moving on from weird ass technology to the NBA playoffs. It's what a, a segue, dude. I, I know. Come on. It's horrible. You gotta, you, we, we gotta, we gotta do better than that. I gotta work on that better. I know. Yeah. So NBA playoffs, it's going. It's second round. There's a lot of good basketball to be played. We're not doing much talking about it because of time constraints and all that stuff. Um, did you see the the Westbrook reaction to the fans? All right. So Westbrook recording um, him on the cell phone. All right, that that's uncalled for. I mean, seriously, I can understand the one where the fan was screaming something at him because he he wasn't he probably was not screaming. You are a great player. Oh, <laughs> of course. But the one with the cell phone that was uncalled for. Come on, I mean, he's he's Westbrook is not a kid. Russell Westbrook is not a kid. He's been in the NBA for ten seasons now. Ten seasons. Wow. You should know better. <laughs> yeah. Than to than to do something like that. He's a player that everybody admires and a lot of everybody sees and it, it's uncalled for look I, I agree first of all let, let's talk about the whole the the fans berating him and all that stuff i agree fans most some fans can be very undesirable oh of they, course they can be and i don't i don't disagree with him that the nba has to take more measures to keep the fans in check I do agree with that. Although they've done a pretty good job. Fans running. Yeah, and I and thousand four. And that's what spurred on the the, the whole the, the extra security. But they have enough security, and the fan was within his boundaries. Yeah. With the cell phone. Now the one that was screaming at him. Yeah, he was a little bit over the boundary. But you know, I, I hate when fans say, "Well, I paid the ticket. I paid the ticket. I can do or say what I want." No, you don't. You know, paying for a ticket does not give you the right to act like an idiot. <laughs> so, uh. but but and then Westbrook goes on and, and and says, and he voices his his opinions on the NBA needing to do a better security for the fans. I think they do enough. I think they do. It's well, it's it's gotta be on the on the fan side. Like they really gotta do better. They really gotta do better. Come right, on, you're gonna right. you're gonna ruin er, this for everyone because but, you feel. Because but the player, but the player can't react like that. He can't be slapping somebody's hand. Come on, that's that's just uncalled for. Because if you slap at a hand, you stop turning. You stop being a public figure. You stop being a player, and the fan stops being a fan, and you become a villain. You both become no. You both become human. And if somebody slaps at me, I mean, come on, you gotta defend yourself. From but yeah, I'm that, not. I'm true. not saying fans go fight the players. No. But, but. 
<laughs> Tell that to run our test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was the other way around. Player fights the fans. Yeah. But, you know, it's just uncalled for. And, you know, then there's the whole attitude with the media. Russell Westbrook has had an interesting last few years of being that figure of, well, the press and the yep. fans. He joins a long list of players, a long list of athletes who really don't have any love for the media. Did you see Did you see the recent uh, Harvey, Matt Harvey, you know, New York Mexico picture thing where he had a bad first outing as a reliever, uh-huh. and then he said he didn't want to talk about it, and then the reporter asked him, why don't you? And he said, and I quote, because I don't want to fucking talk about it. I don't Whoa, feel like talking about it. Wow. I, know, didn't, I wasn't aware of that one. You know, I'll tell you what. Wow, dude. I, I mean, he has become a shadow of what he was for, let's face it, two seasons. the Two and a half seasons. He was, no, one and a half season, really. He was this wow. great pitcher with great potential, and he ate it up. Talk to the media. He ate it up. But when times go bad, you gotta talk too, man. And I've been, I've worked in the media for a long time. We've talked about this ad nauseum. There, there's a responsibility, and you have to respond to your actions. Wow. So he went from what was it that they called him, Dark Knight? The Dark Knight. From the Dark Knight to Harvey Dent. Look at that. Wow. Good touch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. I mean, there, there's this. That, that that whole blame the media thing, it's it's an old, it's a tired excuse. <laughs> like your buddy Marshawn Lynch. It's a tired excuse, <laughs> this whole blame the media thing. Uh, yes, the media is responsible for a lot of stupid things. I will admit that. But, you know, you can't blame the whole media for one stupid person. Well, all right. So, staying with the NBA playoffs. I'm sorry this is going to sound as... Bias as possible, but I don't care. Can somebody knock LeBron out of the playoffs already? What the hell happened with the Raptors? Don't get your hopes up. The Raptors can't get over that LeBron. I hump. know. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, you lost in overtime by one point. Game one, of course. Dude, come on. The series, of course, continues, uh, but they, they can't seem to get over that hump, and... Well, until a miracle happens, they probably won't. So we'll be seeing what happens going forward with that series. <laughs> and, well, welcome back to uh, Steph Curry. Welcome back to the playoffs. Scoring eight, 21, 28 points. I think I think conference finals play is going to be unpredictable. I think, I think this round is predictable, but we'll see what happens. Oh, boy. We'll have more on that. In the coming weeks. But for now, this was our 20th show, so happy 20 shows, Hector. Happy 20 shows, Chris. For all of you who have listened through all this time, thank you. And we hope for 20 more shows. Or even more. (laughs) We'll see about that. Anyways, this was the two-point conversation for Hector. I'm Chris. Well, we'll be with you next time.